The top thing is to not make assumptions. And, and I mean about, about your patient's history. So I have a lot of patients where they say, they, they say a, a diagnosis or they say something and then through the course of our physical exam, I realize that's not, that, that's not where your pain is coming from at all. So don't put your blinders on when someone has said, oh, the imaging showed that I have a tear over here. That, that's great, that's, that's information, but, um, but always just come, come to the visit, start the physical exam with a completely open mind because that's how you're not going to miss something that may have been missed by the six other practitioners that they say they've already been to. Mm -hmm. uh Hello and welcome to ND Inspo where our mission is to connect, grow, and inspire naturopathic doctors and students from all over. My name is Dr. Kirsten DeWitt, and today I have with me Dr. Angela Cortal. Dr. Angela is a naturopathic physician, best-selling author, regenerative medicine expert, speaker, and teacher based in Oregon. She is passionate about reversing degenerative joint disease by addressing the root causes and recently published her new book, Younger Joints Today, where she provides seven steps to improving joints as well as exercises, resources, and a ton of supportive recipes to go along with it. In addition to her clinical practice, she teaches and speaks online on addressing your own joint pain, instructs physicians on advanced injection skills, and lectures on hormones, joint health, and injection therapies. In her spare time, she tends to her rural property with her husband, Xavi, and her two rescue dogs. I am so excited to speak with Dr. Angela today to get to know more about her own story with naturopathic medicine and with joint pain, as well as to dive more into understanding joint pain clinically. So thank you, Dr. Angela, for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yay! And um, so I just want to, I always love starting out, just getting to know a little bit more about, you know, what brought you to naturopathic medicine in the first place? Uh, well, I can say it was, it was a long and circuitous road. <laughs> um, going through my undergraduate years and, and even previously in high school, pretty much my whole uh, academic time, I was really interested in science and sort of on the side in my personal time and my volunteer time, I was always um, really trying to help people, help my community um, just kind of get out there and make a difference. And through a, a long path that led me through uh, majors in languages and education and finally ending up in, in the science uh, field graduating with uh, micromolecular biology as my degree. I uh, went, went very, very far into, into that science path and really, uh, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but really kind of tried to dive in and, and research and figure out where can I use this degree to help people <laughs> in the moment, people right in front of me, like, how can I make a difference in someone's life, knowing everything about um, cell biology and microbes and genetics, <laughs> and, and got to the, um, our field of naturopathic medicine, uh, figuring out that I had the, the science background for this sort of um, post postgraduate education, 
and felt like it was the perfect fit. I could, I could go through this program and literally sit down with people and help them uh, see a positive impact in their lives. And so that really inspired me through, through the program. I, I do mention in my book um, and at various other times in the past, having my own history with a skiing accident that led to a surgery that led to a lot of my own uh, physical health issues. And to be honest, it wasn't really the top priority for me going, going through schooling. And even um, in, in my early practice, it was just kind of like, it was just a problem, <laughs> a long-term problem that was there in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, but I started, uh, I started my practice and focused a lot of my internship years in women's health and hormones. Um, I, I, hormones have always just really been interesting to me. They're, they're fascinating. There's so much you can learn. It's, it's, a, it's like a field you can just always continue to dive deeper and deeper into. And, uh, and so it was really the earliest years of my practice going, starting that practice, seeing, seeing a lot of women for hormonal issues and just having this and my body just really doesn't work as, as much as I think it should be at that time at the age of barely 30. And um, so, okay, I really just don't want to continue going down this road of, of, okay, I can't do that. I can't do, like having this list of can'ts, <laughs> just, just a few decades on in life, I, I can't do uh, various activities and just having a lot of joint pain, instability, weakness, and uh, and diving into PubMed honestly is where um, is where the the beginning of my journey into understanding degenerative joint diseases and kind of what the whole pathophysiology I guess you could say of like what what is going wrong what are all the steps that are going wrong so that how we, can we um, actually address and change that and it led me to. God, well, well, it led me to, to everything, to every single word on, on every page of my new book. Um, but but in, a, in a short sense, it led me to investigating the regenerative injection therapies, just really fascinating research that I found at that point. It would have been like 2012, 2013, and seeing like, wow, there's actually research out there that these injections that don't seem like, I, I, I don't really get what they are or how they work, you know, from the, from the outset but that it actually makes a joint better than it was before. It seems kind of wild, seems like science fiction. So, so then I went a few years into uh, studying this, like just kind of tiptoeing from the outside, attending some of the conferences, um, just getting aware of the latest research and clinical practices. And then that led into a few more years of actually studying these, flying all over the place, uh, studying with every every doctor and organization and professional entity I possibly could to, to learn every, everything about this field. Just like hormones, I can never stop learning. Uh, it's fascinating and it's wonderful. And um, yeah, and so then I started bringing all of that into my practice and now really have sort of this symbiotic uh, practice of hormonal health and joint health. And uh, the last few years now I've, um, transition now to being a speaker at those conferences that I used to be sitting at and bowled yeah. over by by the research and and now I'm the one diving into it and presenting it to my colleagues and um, and training others in in the injection therapies in sort of how to how to get started my my uh, own view on sort of how how to, how to get into this field that's great and I, I mean they they 
meld so well together. I think a lot of people that you see coming in with joint pain, it's not just um, necessarily the joint. And, and I love that that's kind of how you start out your book is understanding your diagnoses. And, and maybe it's not even what you were told it was, right? So um, knowing all of the potentials that you lay out in this book for people, I think empowers them to be able to do more of the, that diving in for themselves, to ad, be an advocate for themselves, um, and to know what questions to ask and what other things might be leading to this joint pain. Um, because it is something that is so prevalent. So many people suffer and struggle with joint pain. They don't know their options. Um, and, and it can be debilitating, right? And so I'm wondering if you can kind of talk a little bit more about your own experience and, you know, what, how you felt during that and, and what you were kind of looking towards for treatments and what you were told were good treatments and, and what you kind of found for yourself to work. Sure. So I can, I can say that my, um, my, my history, my background on this was, was long and rocky. And, and like, like I mentioned in the book, I was the quote unquote good patient. Um, we would say I, I, had, I had good adherence to the treatment plans. I, I did everything. Um, but I was one of, I mean, it's just really so common out there where patients go through your standard of care, your traditional treatment route, and for some it helps and, and for a lot it doesn't because it's so, so narrowly focused is, is my view on it. Um, so the medications didn't actually address the pain and the, the physical therapy was just, I don't know. Um, I mean, this, this is now back 15 plus years ago. So I, I, I can't really remember every, every single exercise and, and every single evaluation that was done at that time. But, but, um, but my, my view is that it was probably just too limited on, for me, it was a knee surgery. So just on knee strengthening exercises. And probably by the time I got into that physical therapy, it had just kind of gone up and down the chain, so to speak. So I had a lot of back pain, a lot of back issues. And, um, and it was really, I was, I guess, I guess over, over time, I was reaching out for anything like what, what can possibly be out there that has an impact and pulling a little bit of piece, a few pieces from our clinical education and naturopathic school at that point, um, pulling some pieces from what I was learning uh, working with like a physical trainer and learning exercises and muscle development and like what is important for me and then going going through the my training and going through my internship learning about hormones and really seeing that a lot of these what what I mean even even in naturopathic um, even in our field I think there's a there can be like this this is sort of the the wheelhouse over here and and not a lot of um, crosstalk between some entities and I would say like the endocrinology and uh, and more of like the orthopedics and rheumatology that the connections there are not really those 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 lines are not really drawn and so over <laughs> over many years just kind of getting one one piece of information here and one piece of information there I slowly and started started slowly started to put it together like what what made an impact for me and seeing that that's actually not rare that wasn't weird uh for for me to have to kind of step out into those other 
fields, those other realms, and seeing that, yeah, for, for most of my patients, it's uh, like, like you said, yeah, they're not separate. I thought uh, getting into the injection therapies and helping patients with chronic joint pain that I'd have like my quote unquote hormone issue patients over here and my chronic pain issue patients over here and that it would be two entirely different separate uh, practices. And, and what I found out is that it's like 90% overlap mm -hmm. because a lot of my patients that are coming to me just for quote unquote hormone issues are like, and my shoulder's been bugging me for 15 years. And I'm like, well, how about we also address that? That's important too. <laughs> Let's not put blinders on and just focus on the menstrual issues or hot flashes or whatever it is that was your focus coming to me. And then the, the, the same is true for patients who um, maybe they hear about the injection therapies or maybe they're referred by, by some of the colleagues I, I know in the area. Um, like a chiropractor or a physical therapist and and they're coming to me for an evaluation to see if they're a candidate for the injection therapies but i'm like and also we need to to slow down a little bit here because uh because you're mentioning something that we really need to address before you decide to go into this course of care um whether that is um uh, blood sugar regulation or thyroid or other hormones like estrogen, testosterone. Those are some, some big and common ones that I see that if those are not dialed in, then their effect, like their response from the treatment is not going to be as, as great. Um, they, they may be someone who we would say is like a non-responder. And it's, and it's not that the diagnosis, like the physical diagnosis was wrong. It's not that the selection of the injection necessarily was wrong. It's just their body was challenged by that um, hormonal imbalance or hormonal deficiency and could not respond as well as we were expecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, like you mentioned, even in naturopathic medicine often, I mean, we hear it with maybe menopause and that's when we start to think about uh, hormones and how it impacts the musculoskeletal system. And there's some other things in there too, but um, you really talk about throughout the whole, whole life how hormones at any stage of life can really impact um, your musculoskeletal system. So it's not just one time period of your life that we should be thinking about hormones, right? Um, and I think other, you know, if you're an endocrinologist, and of course, that's all you're thinking about. And, <laughs> um, but it's putting, putting it all together. And I think that we already have the framework as naturopathic doctors to put things together, but it's more of just continuing to educate and um, to see how more of those dots actually connect. And so I just, I love that you, you have these seven steps and in the book, you're pretty um, direct about, well, we don't just jump right to prolo or PRP. We have to make sure that you're a candidate for it, that it's actually going to be worth your time and money, right, on both ends. And I think that is really important as well, because I think too often maybe we jump into, I guess, what is that adage? If you have a hammer, everything's a nail, right? Um, instead of looking at the whole slew of other tools that we have in our toolbox. And so I think it's, it's so important the way that you have laid out your book, starting with knowing and understanding your diagnosis. Um, but then you also jump into, for me, nutri I mean, nutrition plays a, a huge role 
not just in deficiencies, but also in the foods that you're eating and food sensitivities. Um, how big of a role do you see that playing out in your patients? That's a good question. And I would say, um, so there's a couple of big, big pieces there. And one is, yes, so, so deficiencies of someone not eating enough period or not eating enough uh, specific macronutrients, um, nutrients that we know that they need uh, at least some of <laughs> on board to regenerate the musculoskeletal tissue. Uh, with food sensitivities, I would say it's really variable. So definitely, I have some patients who are coming to me and one of the sort of top uh, topics for them is digestive health, um, some chronic GI issues. So then I would say that we really table something like PRP injections, for example, like we need, we need to get someone's overall system a little bit better organized, a little bit uh, happier overall um, but before we go into those, because yeah, if there's some sort of chronic um, uh, chronic bacterial overgrowth, chronic inflammation, um, food intolerances causing causing some inflammation, for example, then then that's going to impact anything that they do, uh, or if, if they if they choose to for the regenerative injection therapies, because that relies on kind of a healthy, well tuned immune system that's going to respond to the signals of the injection therapies, create that healing response. So if it's already sort of bogged down and challenged somewhere else, then, then that becomes definitely a top priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know for me, I've seen, especially with like autoimmune um, patients who have degenerative joint disease or uh, an autoimmune joint disease, then oftentimes just helping to remove some of those sensitivities, some of those um, food intolerances can drastically drop their pain levels um, just with that alone. And then you also talk about, uh, one, of, one of my favorite parts is you talk about the mindset in the lifestyle portion, which I don't think gets talked a lot about. And surprisingly enough, I don't feel like we talk enough about this in school. At least when I was in school, I, I feel like I had to seek out a lot of this area of understanding the mind, the mindset, and the role that that plays in healing and in uh, making these changes because there are a lot of lifestyle changes, lifestyle um, factors that influence pain in general and, and health and healing. And so um, I, I love that you talk about this and how, I guess, what role do you feel that this plays with your patients and what are some, some methods that you do with them in the realm of lifestyle and mindset? Well, that's a good question. And I would agree with you that I feel like this is something, uh, the, the importance of mindset and addressing mindset is something that's sort of evolved for, for me in my practice over the years. I, I guess sort of like realizing like what is this invisible wall that I'm hitting with a lot of patients and and that it's mindset and like okay what do we do about this it, for for different people obviously it's going to be different and so it, it really I would say is a a process through our dialogue depending on what that person specifically needs 
Is it that they're really not taking any time for themselves? And I'm, I'm, am I prescribing meditation? And yeah, patients who are coming to me for chronic joint pain probably don't expect me to tell them now, now you're going to be meditating. And, and yes, you're going to just start with five minutes a day. It's okay. I promise you'll make it. <laughs> Some patients are very, very hesitant. Um, or am I... Uh, it, it really depends on where our conversation goes. Is it that they're um, actually going to be working with a, a coach? Is it something about where this is coming from relationship or work difficulties? And so they need some kind of coaching through that. Um, or, or, am I, or am I really more thinking about referring to counseling or um, therapy and, and kind of a, a great plus side of everyone sort of forcibly getting very used to online technology very quickly is that I, that I think like my view, at least in, in practice is that a lot more patients have, um, have been much more willing to take me up on, on the discussion of a possible therapy referral mm-hmm. um, be- because we've lowered the barriers there. They're not having to go to a new clinic and, and kind of meet someone at this new place. And, and I, I've just seen that a, a lot of patients have been much more open to doing telehealth when, when basically me- mental health is an important part for them to, to work through. Mm-hmm. And have you noticed any patterns or any, anything that has kind of shown up over and over again with your patients with chronic joint pain in that realm of mindset? Yes. Yeah. And um, probably the, the biggest one is if someone is coming from a place of feeling deterministic, like this is how it is. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. This is, this is, this is going to be permanent. Uh, ba- basically, if they have any, any hope for improvement whatsoever, or if they don't, and, and we'll, we'll talk through that. I don't feel like it's my job to change anyone's uh, view, and I don't, and I don't feel like I'm persuading people into a different mindset. But I, but I will, but but we will touch on the subject and talk about um, kind of kind of air these uh, unconscious beliefs and make them a little bit more conscious and and talk about them. Um, not that I'm over promising any miracle cures, but just to say. I, I, I hear what you're saying and, and from the physical exam, from your imaging, okay, we're going to just talk very, very uh, frankly about your diagnosis, about what the standard of care recommendations are. And then let me tell you about my experience working with people who have this exact same thing, like that, that uh, I, I can pretty much any joint we're talking about by this point, I can say that I've, I've seen that and, I, and, I've, and this is, this is what, what we did and that I have had patients improve, and this is the amount of improvement that I expect, and that um, uh, in in my line of work, I'm I'm very much an optimist, I guess I would say, just because of the the all all the success stories that 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 I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that plays into you brought up uh, Dr. Dweck's work on the growth and fixed mindset which again, I think is just really important even to just be aware of, because I think so often we don't even know that those are a thing. And so it's hard to pin out when we are in more of a fixed mindset, like, like you said, um, the deterministic people who are like, this is just how it is, um, and how that might be impeding improvement and even just the, um, 
options that may that we may look for because if we already think that this is just how it is we're probably not even going to seek out those options can you talk a little bit more to the difference between the growth and fixed mindset yeah so i think that is huge huge probably the biggest topic there is even if we're not always talking about it in every clinical realm when it when it comes to chronic pain and i'll say chronic joint pain specifically because that's sort of my wheelhouse mm -hmm. and um and that that is the message that every one of us who said that you have arthritis or you're going to get arthritis um because of a, whatever your medical history is that is always sort of the, the story that's laid out. So it makes sense. Like people, they hear that, they hear this is going to get worse, come back in five or 10 years when it's really bad and then we'll do surgery. So, so that, that's sort of the story, that's the trajectory that's always been told to people. And, and it really takes kind of changing someone's perspective, introducing the idea of like, yeah, that's one path, that's not the only path and that some of my patients come to me already ready to go because maybe they had a friend who had a phenomenal recovery from whatever the case may be. Um, but I would say this is more common. So, so some of my patients are coming to me specifically because they're seeking something alternative. They're seeking something different than what they're being told um, to do by the whatever just general larger medical system. And some patients are getting referred to me and they may not even be aware of it whatsoever. And I would say in that, in that population of patients, it's a little bit more common that they're like, well, this is how it is, but you know, my chiropractor told me I come here, <laughs> uh, but, but you know, it's been this way for a very long time. And, uh, and it's, um, Sometimes I, we get somewhere different with the conversation. Sometimes that was just the little seed that I planted that, that it's going to be, that it's going to be growing <laughs> at some point in the future. Uh, because if someone really does think that like everything is going to just keep on getting worse from here on out, it will. Like that's, I don't think that's too woo woo to say that, that that's sort of the, the story that we tell ourselves. It's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, um, and yeah, and so that's why I love Carol Dweck's work. I think you can apply it to just about any realm of healthcare possible. Like what, where could that not fit in? Where, where there's people who are experiencing something chronically, often it's told that this is just a management scenario. We'll try to give you some different medications when these ones stop working. Um, but, but that's sort of the, the general, just as the general storyline is that this is just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse from here on out. And that the minds, uh, the mindset shift is what kind of opens the door and makes someone more, um, more receptive to me saying we can, we can reverse this. And I, and I, and I know that it's possible for, for so many of my patients because I've seen it. Uh, but it's, it's going to take a little bit of work. <laughs> this, this is now, this is now going to be a, a priority of yours. So you have to, uh, make some time and, and show some attention towards this. And so it's really the, the mindset shift that then gets the buy-in from patients. So, okay, now you're telling me to do this every day. You're telling me to, to eat some of this. You're telling me to do, you know, now, now they have a little homework assignment mm -hmm. and, but, but they know, they know what is possible for that. So, so I think that's why it's all starting from mindset. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think, uh, I think it's so great to, again, to just even be aware that that is something, because I think 
we often do run into those patients who it's like they already have a wall built up. They're only coming in because someone dragged them in or, you know, they were referred or something. Um, and so it's a good way to help kind of break that down. I think that's why stories and testimonials are um, a great tool to kind of help bridge that gap between uh, what someone currently believes and what might be possible. Um, and so then this might be where you start to dive into the hormones, right? So you, you kind of address like the lifestyle and the mindset of things. And so when do you, when do you start to look for, and what are the, some of the signs that tell you that, okay, we need to look into this, this person's hormone levels? Yeah, so I would say um, sometimes it is right off the bat. For, for other patients though, I don't wanna say that 100% of people need this. It really depends on the information I get from the outset in that new patient appointment, in their paperwork. I'm not just asking like, where is your pain? Okay, let's just focus on that. I'm really like any naturopathic doctor wanting to get a whole, whole slate of information of everything else. So really, if, if the conversation is going in that direction, if they're checking every sort of box that I'd think of as pretty commonly related to hormone deficiencies, and, and pretty much for all patients, I'm, I'm, I'm always wanting to get a sense of what labs have been done recently. Even if they're, you know, they're, they see their primary care, I just want to know, has your blood sugar been checked in recent history? Has your thyroid been checked in recent history? And if, the, if, if I'm getting a sense through our conversation that there's a lot of blood sugar issues, thyroid issues, or for, um, for men or women, um, testosterone issues, for women, progesterone, estrogen issues, then sometimes I'm ordering some hormone analysis uh, right off. Or sometimes we have a plan where they're getting a couple of other basic labs done, and then we're going to circle back around if, if addressing the thyroid, for example, isn't, gonna, isn't um, sufficiently improving their energy levels and insomnia, then, then, then we're saying like, okay, this is, this is maybe the, the next step is to look deeper into the other hormone levels. And so, yeah, for, for some patients that are coming to me just for pain, we're, sometimes I'm ordering hormone testing right off the back. So I'm like, yeah, you have chronic hip pain and you have these seven other symptoms going on that, that, that make me really want to investigate your estrogen levels uh, before we decide to do injection therapies. Um, but, but for other patients, we, we may not, we may not get, get to that conversation because everything is pretty good or it's pretty good and we get their joint pain improved and then 15 years later the hormones decide to retire on us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess I haven't been in practice 15 years, I've been in practice eight years, but, but I have had that happen um, in, in, the, in this number of years where we've got everything dialed in and, and then they decide to go to peri, into perimenopause on me, so. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw a little wrench in there for you. <laughs> um, and so I'm curious, not to throw, put you on the spot too much, but if you have any examples, um, say for, for a male case and maybe a, a female case, because I think sometimes men don't think that hormones pertain to them, <laughs> aside from, you know, testosterone, but there are so many other uh, hormones that still play a role, like you said, insulin and um, even estrogen and cortisol, and there's just a lot of things kind of playing into that. And so I'm wondering if you could maybe give 
an example of a time when you did see hormones playing into pain for a male patient. Mm -hmm. And then maybe one for a female. Sure. Yeah. So one, so to kind of contrast different scenarios that can come up, I had a patient who I believe we started working together about two years ago. And, um, and originally he was coming in for psoriasis and some other inflammatory issues. He got a, a knee injury. And so what we ended up doing is getting his inflammation and his blood sugar. He was pre-diabetic really well under control. And then we did, um, uh, for him, it was one prolotherapy and one PRP session and, and, and got a really good response and no flare, which is something that injection therapists are aware of, um, potentially for happening, just sort of a more aggravated response afterwards. If someone has, and, and I should say it's more, more common if someone does have an autoimmune condition or some sort of inflammatory issue that can just sort of respond in a, in a really negative after effect sort of way. So, so that was one where it was really, we, we did a lot generally with, the, with his immune system, kind of down-regulating that hypersensitivity, getting, getting his blood sugar so he wasn't getting more insulin sensitivity versus he was in a more insulin-resistant state and kind of got, got him set up really well so that then we can help him recover from, from the knee injury. And how um, was that yeah. process um, before you ended up doing the, the injection therapies? I would say I worked with him about six months before he got the knee injury. And then oh. we sort of finished dialing everything in about six to eight weeks. Okay. Um, and it was something where it was, where with, with his knee injury, it wasn't like I left him hanging in extreme pain for those six yeah. to eight weeks. It had been a chronic nagging issue that he had, um, he had hit it, uh, hit, hit the knee. And so, so it was something where it, he already knew how to sort of manage it at home. We kind of finished, finished uh, tuning up his insulin and, and immune system and, and, then, and then got him over the most recent re-aggravation. And I checked in with him a couple of months ago and, and, we're still good. We're still good with the immune system, with the blood sugar, and, and, and no, no flare-up with the knee pain. That's great. And then I have a number of patients <laughs> for female hormones. Okay. One who comes up is someone who had been referred from a sports medicine chiropractor for some um, post-car accident. Like it, it had been quite a few years earlier. Um, but she still had some some neck and shoulder pain from from the accident. Um, I, I initially started working with her. I did do prolotherapy. She was responding decently. I will say people people who are um, injection therapists in, in this realm, we sort of get a, a set of expectations for how we we think, okay, this person's gonna respond versus this person. I was expecting her to respond a little bit more robustly. She was responding well, but just a little bit more um, uh, muted, I guess we could say, than what I would expect. So in, in that early phase, in that like month two to three of working with her, I decided that, okay, well, is there something else going on? And what we ended up doing was, uh, was changing 
in in one of the large um she, she, her primary care was in one of the large medical centers around here and her thyroid she did have hypothyroidism it was just really not being checked it was being, the prescription was being renewed um but the labs weren't really being checked so so i ended up recommending like we got we got to get some more recent labs that we the medication did get changed for her and then also we did some sex hormone analysis and she was low across the board and she was in her um mid 40s at that point and um not necessarily what we'd say in the the perimenopausal she didn't really have any of those symptoms um but her hormones were deciding to decline at, the, at that time and so the the testosterone estrogen and progesterone was low and so working working through that another let's say six to eight weeks helping kind of all the hormones at this point we got four yeah. um across the board getting those all dialed in and then we did like one more set of injection therapies and it was like night or day difference it, it wasn't this like yeah it's helping it's helping but you know quietly it's it's it is it's helping somewhat and into like oh we're good like like that that was wonderful uh <laughs> we're good now yeah and what are some examples um of treatments that you did with her to kind of sh help shift those hormones really all all across the board um so it was uh working on what exercises she was and wasn't doing it was working on nutrition on diet on nutrients um we've used vitamins we've used herbs and and then also adjusting the the hormone prescription like i said so um so I would say the, the full naturopathic toolbox <laughs> I've used for her. Yeah, that's great. And when would you say, when should someone seek out prolotherapy or PRP as a potential patient? Or if, you know, if we're, if we are a naturopathic doctor, maybe we don't do those therapies, but we would like to refer them. When is a good time to refer for those treatments? Yeah, this is great. So I totally understand there's a lot of people who are enthusiastic fans of it, but it takes a lot of years to learn well. Um, so just link up with, with someone in your area if possible. Mm -hmm. um, naturopathic doctors, I, I have some, some DO and even MD colleagues um, spread across the, the country who are very well educated in this. So, so yeah, first, first is find, uh, find who might possibly be in your area. And often I would say I'm getting referred when the thing that they think should be working is just not working that well, or, or even more commonly um, that it's not holding. And I'll put some air quotes around that, but, but I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm talking about, like that, um, that adjustment, that manual therapy, the, the ultrasound, the taping, what, whatever you're doing, um, or, or working with say like a PT or a chiropractor it helps and then they backslide and it helps and then they backslide and i sort of joke with a lot of the these patients that i'm like well if you could get chiropractic every day you'd probably be good and they're like yes i know yes <laughs> when someone's eyes go big it's like yes you understand me the thing helps but yeah. then you know i'm they're losing the effect of the massage as they're walking back to their car sort of patients like that's where we know structurally um musculoskeletally we're in the right zone like they are getting treatment to the right area it's not like a um, referred pain where we're way off the mark here um 
we're getting there, but it's just not getting deep enough. It's just there, there's something, there's some layer that isn't getting addressed. And that's often when I'm getting referred to because that's sort of where I'm focusing as someone who does the injection therapies. I do uh, try to be very well aware, as you were saying earlier, that like, you know, uh, the, 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 the syringe is my hammer. I don't want everything to look like a nail. But what I want to do is evaluate for when I do use these injection therapies, is there any pain coming from the joint, the joint capsule, ligaments, tendons, these sort of smaller structures around that joint complex? Uh, because that is sometimes the, the piece, the piece that is not being addressed with, with some of the other types of care. And it, and it dovetails really nicely. So, so I work with tons of uh, other manual therapists who, who work with patients with pain because when we are layering on the injection therapies, if it's the right fit, then that their care can last longer, can have even a better response. And so I'm, I'm sometimes just the person called in, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the assist, and, and then we, we get reduction of the inflammation in the joint, get some healing, get some um, improvement of integrity to that, to that joint. And, and, then, and then they're good. And, and then they, they just use their chiropractic or physical therapy, whatever their sort of maintenance is, and, and that it's actually holding for them and they're, and they're getting to, to a new place of health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Because um, I was also thinking, you know, people like myself, we're in pre-licensed states, so we're more restricted on the therapies that we can use, but we can still refer to other practitioners that might be doing those. Um, and so it's, it's good to know that there is another tool um, that can be used for those people because I do know what you're talking about where you get them to a point and they're okay for a couple of days. Uh, we see a lot of that in, in our clinic with um, acupuncture. They're looking for something that's going to hold longer than just the day relief that they get from their chiropractor or PT. And so I'm, I'm also curious for those who are students or they're, they're doctors and they're, they're interested in prolose therapy and learning PRP. What are the basics as far as like what it is um, and how has it elevated how you practice and the results that you see with your patient? Sure. So, so the education and training is really variable across our country, um, Canada, Mexico, so, so I did a lot of training and a lot with a lot of different people and a lot of different organizations, like I mentioned previously, because it's not just like, here's the one university of injection therapies and, and go through this one program. Um, so I would say for those who are interested in at least learning more and even potentially um, doing them, depending on your state that you're in or going to be in and, and what that scope looks like, uh, do, do some research, do some digging, um, I'll just kind of lay out a little bit more specifically what I went through and, and, I, and I think it was a, a decent path. So just become familiar with all the, the different organizations out there. The one that I'm a part of, so I'm a member, I speak, I'm, I'm very um, closely tied in with them is the, it has the long, it has the longest acronym. It's A-O-A-P-R-M. And, um, and that is sort of what I'd say was like the original prolotherapy organization and they, they have naturopaths there. I would say actually DOs is probably the most common profession type there. Um, also MDs and I've, and I've seen some other chiropractors and even nurse practitioners because it really does depend on what state you're in, what, what your scope looks like. And um, 
what what they do is annual conferences and so a lot of these organizations will have an annual conference where it is didactic so you're not there's not a needle in your hand but you are learning you're learning about um, research updates clinical practices best practices what people are doing things that are coming onto the scene um, any anything that's changing in terms of we're, we're not really doing that type of whatever modality or practice or thing and, and we're and we're going more into this realm so it's just like the time for everyone in that profession to get together and sort of a melding of minds. And then uh, a couple of other organizations that I'm aware of and have had at least a little bit of interaction and, and gone to their conferences. AAOM is another one. And then TOBI is, is uh, another. And there, there, there's some other ones out there, definitely. I just, just haven't had any interaction with them. And so, so they all have annual conferences and then it's a matter of getting on their mailing list or otherwise following them so you can find out what sort of additional actual trainings they have. Some start out as like a weekend focusing on this or, or a full week, let's say doing ultrasound, ultrasound diagnostics, for example. And, and that's sort of a whole other realm that, that goes on to the injection therapies is learning, learning the, the imaging guiding. Sometimes there are trainings through the various naturopathic colleges. Um, I, I don't know how many, maybe five years ago now, participated in one that was at the Southwest School. I have, I, I was uh, assisting with one um, a couple of years ago at Boucher uh, in Vancouver. And so, so yeah, it seems like at the schools at various times they will have them. And yeah, anyone can find me <laughs> and ask me more about ones uh, specifically that, that, you know, I'm interested in this. And do you think this is the right match for me? Because some of them are going to be focusing on different topics, different approaches. And, and it's a matter of, well, one, what you legally can do as far as your scope, and then also what you're interested in. Not everyone has to do the route that I did and, <laughs> and go, go everywhere and learn everything. If you're really focused in one particular type of injection therapy, um, then yeah, let, let me know. And like I said, I do a lot of intro courses. And so that's really like the next step beyond what we learn in in our schooling which for me was basically like a b12 injection so if you've done a b12 injection and you're like how do i get into anything else uh injection modality wise then it's a matter of going over a lot of the well how do you uh assess someone and start doing some of the um some of the injection therapies that are a little bit more superficial then deep diving into something more like the prolotherapy and PRP and some of those other orthopedic injections, which are definitely take a lot more training. They're, they're a lot more in depth. Um, there's just a lot more, more to that. Okay. And is there anything in particular that for doctors who want to refer or for patients who are looking for a practitioner, is there anything like a certification or any type of specific training that they should look for or, or, them saying that they've done the AOM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that, you know, just kind of look to see what associations they've worked with? That's a good question. So there is not one universal certification for everybody. I have gotten quite a handful now from all the different ones that I've done. 
and that I will say that it's pretty common and that if you don't know anyone and are sort of cold investigating, then at least uh, looking at some of the directories. So yeah, my organization, which has the long acronym AOAPRM, their, their website is prolotherapycollege.org and they have a provider directory. So it's not to say that everyone on that list would practice exactly like me. Of course, we're going to be a little bit different, but I do know that they're at least affiliated with one of the professional organizations. And so even if I don't know them personally, I can at least presume that they're, that they're kind of keeping, keeping up to date with best practices. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I believe that the AAOM also has a provider directory. I'm guessing there's a couple of other ones out there. So yeah, so that would be something um, to, look, to look for. And of course, like word of mouth, if you, if you do know anyone in the area, you may, you may have a colleague who's, who's interacted with that person. And how do you feel that these injection therapies have um, impacted your, your care and the, the results that you've gotten? Uh, I am really, really thankful that, uh, that, that I, that I can do these, that I've gotten educated in this, that I, that I have this as a part of my practice. I have found it so profoundly impactful, um, mm -hmm. that I just can't imagine not doing them because of just the, the huge effects that I've seen. Like no injection therapies may not be absolutely necessary for everybody, especially if you're in a state where maybe it's just not widely available at all. Um, it's not absolutely necessary. It can just be really powerful. So shortening down the duration of someone actually responding to care, you can certainly treat osteoarthritis in a number of ways, all the rest of the ways that I mentioned in my book and not, and not ever get to the injection therapies, but sometimes it's just a bigger, a bigger punch. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of uh, getting, getting someone like really, oh wow, I, I notice my pain is way down. I can go up and down stairs again comfortably um, in a matter of weeks instead of it being months or longer. That's wonderful. So nice to have that we have so many potential tools available to learn. And like you said, I think uh, one of the pros of being in naturopathic medicine in general is that there are just so many things that we can dive into, like hormones, um, like injections, like all of these different therapies that are really just lifelong learning opportunities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and do you have any other clinical pearls um, or just any pearls in general for for naturopathic doctors or students that are working with patients with joint pain? Sure, I would say um, probably the top thing is to not make assumptions. And, and I mean about, about your patient's history. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of patients where they say, they, they say a, a diagnosis or they say something and then through the course of our physical exam I realize that's not that that's not where your pain is coming from at all so don't put your blinders on when someone has said oh the imaging showed that i have a tear over here that that's great that's that's information but um but always just come come to the visit start the physical exam with a completely open mind because that's how you're not going to miss something that may have been missed by the 
six other practitioners that they say they've already been to mm-hmm. um, because no one's body reads the, the, the books as they say. And, it, and it's true. And it's maybe even the most true when it comes to chronic joint pain is that um, don't just assume that you know where, where, the, where the pain com- comes from and kind of how that story is. It's just a matter of listening, listening to somebody and then um, putting it to not make assumptions. And, and I mean about, about your patient's history. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of patients where they say, they, they say a, a diagnosis or they say something and then through the course of our physical exam, I realize that's not that that's not where your pain is coming from at all so don't put your blinders on when someone has said oh the imaging showed that i have a tear over here that that's great that's that's information but um but always just come come to the visit start the physical exam with a completely open mind because that's how you're not going to miss something that may have been missed by the six other practitioners that they say they've already been to their physical exam findings together that's how i get people information that they've never heard of before that's how i actually make a treatment plan that's specific to what's going on with them so that they can really get to a a a new place of joint health Mm, love that and um before i ask my I, last two questions um where can everyone find you where can they find the book um, and where can they learn more about your teachings and um, and all the information that you share? Sure. So uh, my book, Younger Joints Today, is on Amazon. And if you're an anti-Amazon person, I totally appreciate that. You can get it on my book. It's n- not just not as simple as one click. <laughs> um, and so on my website, so it's drcortal.com. And so it's D-R-C-O-R-T-A-L. That's where I kind of clearing house everything, my, my practice information, information about upcoming trainings, uh, really anything and everything is on there. And if you're just more of a social media person, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well uh, with the same handle for both being Dr. Angela Cortal with the, the DR and then Angela Cortal. And I, I always post all of the, all my news, um, whatever's coming up on there. And so between those, uh, social media and website, you can find everything that's going on for me. <laughs> Great. And we'll be sure to link those below. Um, and so you have so many great recipes in your book. What is one of your favorite recipes that you hope people will try? <laughs> um, that is such a good question. Okay. Uh, do the trita, which is a, a Catalan um, word, trita. And it's a, um, I guess you could say Spanish omelet as well. But if you've been in and traveled around Spain, you know that it's actually very regional what the omelet looks like, depending on your, if you're in a different area. So for people who are completely um, unacquainted to any of this type of cu- cuisine, I just call it a baked egg dish. And, and okay, okay, I got the idea. It's a baked egg dish. And the reason for this is that um, a lot of my patients are looking for something healthy, on the go, has a good amount of protein and healthy fats, and they're completely sick of whatever smoothie or protein bar they've been doing. And that with a, just a tiny bit of, of new, um, new skills learned in the kitchen, which is turning over a, a dish while it's being cooked, and I explained it all in the book, that you can have a, kind of a, a new, new recipe, a new meal idea, because it's really great. It can 
It can include any sort of meat or vegetables, you know, kind of whatever is in your fridge, I, I call it. And, um, and then you can slice it up, eat it hot, eat it cold, eat it room temp, ready to go. Me and my husband are big mushroom foragers. And so we will cook one like first thing early in the morning and bring it with us and, and eat, it, eat it out in the forest. <laughs> that sounds so great. Yeah, I just love, uh, I think the key lime pie one stuck out to me when I saw yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> So many great recipes. I love that you included that in your book because we all know nutrition plays such a big role in, in joint pain. And is there anything else that we didn't yet talk about that you just wanted to be sure to, to hit on? Uh, gosh, no, I think I, I think we hit on all the major points. And I would just say for whatever piece of what we've been talking about today that you're most interested in, just start, just start digging into it, start researching. Uh, that's, that's what I did. And, and I hope I can be a, a resource for those who are trying to figure out their next steps, whether that's um, learning more about the injection therapies or, or interested in getting into it or interested in finding someone who does it? Um, I between my myself and the injection organizations out there. I I hope that we have some new new steps for you. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to make sure to clarify: this book is a great resource for doctors as well. It really just lays out um, kind of a great uh, stepping stepping stone for the process that you can work through with your patients, and it's a great resource for your patients. So if you have people who are kind of struggling with joint pain and they want something to take home, something that they can look more into on their own time. It's, it's hard to remember everything that we talk about in visits, so it's great to have a resource to have at home and to share with other friends and family members to understand what they're doing when that you have them changing their diet and everything. Um, and so it's a great resource to keep in your library, at your office, to lend out to patients or to have them um, have at their own library at home for themselves. And so I love ending in this question, um, Dr. Angela, what keeps you inspired in naturopathic medicine and hopeful for the future of healthcare? I would just say our, our, our patients, our practice, uh, every every single day, just seeing seeing the positive impact that we can do for so many people, and how we can bring that into our own lives, of course, and that sort of ties into what I was looking for all along back 20 years ago, when when I was in college trying to figure out how can I use my education to help people in real life to to see positive changes in the lives of people around me. That's that's our field. That's what we do. So let's, we, we just all are going to keep doing that and, and the ripples of positive change will just continue uh, to emanate through our, through our society. Well, thank you so much and thank you for the work that you do and for putting out this wonderful resource for all of us. Um, it's always so great seeing naturopathic doctors providing resources like your book and like all of the teachings that you do. and. Um, it's just so great to, to speak with you and to learn more about your journey and about all of these wonderful modalities that, that you do for your patients. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. 
Yes, and thank you all for joining, for watching and listening. Be sure to subscribe, share, and like to keep the inspiration going. As always, stay well and stay inspired.